0: Well, I've gotten many a message on social media wondering what happened to this podcast and I didn't want to say what it was, but the truth was that John has been holding out this entire time in training camp and uh, finally I convinced him to come back. I screamed at him. I tried to meet with him in person. He wouldn't meet with me uh, in person. Tried calling. I tried texting uh, and finally uh, I went to his agent and I said, it's in your fucking contract. (laughs) And and that convinced him. He He finally agreed to show up here.
1: That's that that's that that's the real story. That that and that <laughs> and uh that and the uh the the authorities wouldn't let me podcast w- with Nate until I was vaccinated and I was trying to be a voice for the voiceless but <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, every, everyone who doesn't have a podcast, you try to try to Exactly.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, who's well, who's speaking for them?
0: Um so I'll, I'll let you pick. Simmons or Kyrie. Where are we starting?
1: Let's start with Kyrie. Um, you know, I, the description of him, I, I can't remember where I saw it, so apologies to the writer who got this. That somebody called him a contrarian without a cause, um, which was sort of his reputation in Cleveland and Boston, but I think has really been cemented by this whole episode in Brooklyn and even the recent leaks yesterday. Like, oh, I'm not anti-vax. I just, you know, haven't been vaccinated and can't play for my team. <laughs> You know, it's like, what, what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, so sh- surely th- making the personal decision to not get vaccinated is entirely altruist. The, that's, that's what it's about. Uh, and yeah, no, I mean, honestly, if that's what he believed, then actually showing up and having that message every day in the media would be far more effective to spread your anti vax bullshit than uh, what he is doing. No, he just doesn't want to get vaccinated and he came up with a, a ridiculous rationale to support that. But, and far be it for me to give any credence to, or I don't really care that much about why people don't want to get vaccinated. It's just stupid. But it is relevant here because we are trying to project what this team is going to look like and what circumstances so it might actually get him back
1: yeah I mean d- setting aside what people think about vaccination or whatever and, and going down that rabbit hole um what this means for the Nets and their season and their future I mean remember we were talking about Kyrie and Harden both signing extensions this fall like not that long ago and surely they're not still talking about an extension with him right um and it doesn't seem like Harden's going to sign either now. Now, both players would be financially better off signing after the season. So I was always a little dubious with whether those extensions would actually yeah, cause, happen.
0: Because they could get five years uh, yeah. instead of four. KD, like Steph Curry, would have been impacted by the over-38 rule and couldn't have gotten the five years after the season. So there was no reason for either of them to not just sign now.
1: Exactly. So now, you know, maybe they just end up signing with Brooklyn after the year and everything goes on being married. But it is interesting now that it seems like both James Harden and Kyrie Irving could be free agents after the season. The other thing that does is, like, you say, oh, we should just trade the guy, you know, and, you know, could you trade Kyrie Irving for Ben Simmons? The problem is, Kyrie Irving is a free agent after the season. So even if you decided you were willing to deal with all his bullshit because he's so talented, you still have a serious flight risk. And again, from his perspective, an extend and trade. You know, might not be the thing to do when you can sign for the full five with whatever team you get traded to after the season, or you can, you know, say I've made enough money and I'm going to sign somewhere else for four, which he's already done once, right? He did that when he went from Boston to Brooklyn. So you'd have to feel pretty secure that he was going to stay there to be to get involved with trading for him
0: but not only that he's going to stay there but that he's not going to just find some other reason to not show up uh, even if he is a under contract As yeah we get to he, took,
1: he took some me time in the middle of last season remember too
0: no that, that's right and regardless of the legitimacy of his feelings and and whether there is you know whether it's simply you know feeling like he can't be out there and it it could be an anxiety thing who knows what it is I don't think it's fair to speculate on that with him for a a mental health perspective at least or or maybe not speculate but it's not fair to excoriate him you know there could have been legitimate issues but regardless of whether the issues are legitimate or not the reality is that if you're making a decision to acquire him it's it impacts uh, his potential availability Uh, there is one other problem with the Kyrie Simmons trade which uh, we'll get to I think when we talk about Ben Simmons but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen now. You know, Harden has kind of alluded to the idea that he wants to get the five years. You know, I imagine he's a pretty strong favorite to re-sign. But as we've seen, shit can go bad, uh, pretty badly. You know, Dwight Howard, I'm sure, was certain he was going to stay in Los Angeles when he first got traded there. And uh, things, or Houston. things did not go that well. <laughs> what's that?
1: Or Houston, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's true. But at that point, it didn't make financial sense for him to extend. And so he played it out and things changed. So uh, let me ask you this. Is this, if you were, obviously you weren't at an ownership level and obviously we weren't in a global pandemic at the time when you were a Memphis Grizzlies executive, but ultimately if you were faced with this type of situation, is this how you would have handled it the way that the Nets did?
1: Yeah, I think it's the only way you can handle it rather than having a guy who's, and your alternative was just to have him kind of show up for road practices and road games.
0: Well, he would have been able to practice at home. I think when it was very clear to me when he couldn't. Practice at home; that the whole situation would be untenable. This was this was a little. Once he could practice, and he just couldn't play in home games and games against the Knicks, then it, it became a little more plausible, at least because yeah. he wouldn't have to be away from the team for like twenty days at a time or something like that.
1: Yeah, and it's I I think if you're Brooklyn, you have to look at the bigger picture, probably, which is you still want to incentivize him to to get the shot. You want to be able to play in the playoffs, right? Like, what are you, are you going to tank to the five seats? so You get four road games.
0: I think I, I can't remember who it was that I was talking to who joked about that the, the other day.
1: So I, I think this was the only way to do it, that you're all in or all out. But this is definitely the type of call that, uh, you know, your owner is definitely going to be involved in something like this and you know the owner might tell you you know i'll defer to your judgment or the owner might have a really really strong opinion on it and it's a it's a big enough deal that uh that's you know that's gonna tip the scale for sure uh so that that's where this gets a little more interesting you know your coach is definitely gonna have a strong say on it with something like this so this isn't just this isn't just the type of thing this isn't You know, like a signing somebody to a 10 day or whatever, where, you know, three, three people meet in a conference room in the front office and they're like, "Okay, that guy, you know, and uh, this is this is a way bigger deal uh, on a franchise level. And and so it's a political dance as as much as it is a a strategic one. But I think the Nets ended up in the right place.
0: No, I I would agree with you there. And they, of course, uh, have been the team of player empowerment, maybe more than any team in NBA history. And there was much talk when Kyrie and KD came in of uh, they have this great culture there and how is this going to affect things? And largely, they've just let them do uh, whatever they wanted. And uh, acquiring James Harden, uh, obviously, just added to this being a a player's franchise. There's even been reporting in that book about the Nets. I can't remember the author, which uh, I apologize for, but uh, that... essentially they're doing all sorts of off the box book stuff to like help out players girlfriends and and, and stuff of of that nature Uh, so it's definitely been very and we've never talked about that obviously that that didn't get as much attention I think as it probably should have that that report but in any event at some point though it's gone too far Kyrie has gone too far and I think you make a great point that I haven't necessarily heard elsewhere that this is the right decision for them in terms of basketball in addition to Morley, in addition to having Kyrie Irving uh, around the team when he's unvaccinated, yes, he's be tested pretty severely. So I, I maybe that risk is a little overblown. But uh, you know, just in terms of uh, adhering to the rule and and building a team and all that is sort of the moral aspects. It's, it makes more sense on the court too because you're probably uh, having him only play road games in the playoffs is ridiculous. Uh, you, you're not giving yourself the best chance to win. Get, what gives you the best chance to win is put the hammer down and get him to come back and be vaccinated by the playoffs. Uh, this is your best chance of doing that. If you just let him play the road games. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he would just like being in it and that his teammates needing him and getting a chance to work on him all year. Maybe that would have worked better. I don't know. But but I, I think I agree with you that this is the way to do it.
1: Yeah, I think you would end up with some clunky chemistry, bringing him in, taking him out. Because I mean, incorporating a higher usage player is harder. It's not like, oh, hey, Danny Green can only play in the road games. You know, <laughs> well, OK, he's going to stand in the corner for 40 road games, right? Like this is a, this is a guy who's playing with the ball in his hands and and you're kind of running a lot of stuff through him. So it, it is more complicated doing that. And then I think the other thing from the Nets perspective, with Durant and Harden, they'll still win enough games to get one of the top three seeds, which is really all, all they're shooting for in the in the regular season. So,
0: of course, I'm going to have to ask you this here. And we won't hold you to this, but uh, hey, this is what we do. We project teams for a living. And now, well, thankfully, thankfully not entirely for a living because we don't actually have to bet our, bet our money. But it, hmm. people apparently want to listen to what we have to say to some extent. So now we have to figure out how likely it is that he actually shows up, that, that he changes. What, what is your prediction for how this resolves?
1: I think the, the the only, the most Kyrie Irving way for this to be resolved is for him to announce that actually he got vaccinated six months ago. That's been pointed out to me. I, I don't think that's true. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think that's true either. But uh, no, uh, I... You know, he he values being an iconoclast so much that 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 I did I do wonder if he's just going to he, if he's just going to not do it <laughs> if he's just going to say I'm going to, you know, I I enjoy the attention I'm getting for being different and and I'm just going to keep doing this. Uh,
0: yeah, although he Being completely out of the spot. Supposedly, like he hates the media and all the obligations and stuff, but I do think he enjoys being viewed as like this different pseudo intellectual uh, type of guy. So, you know, I do think there is like an attention wanting aspect to it, even though he'd rather not face questions from the media. So maybe, maybe he'll realize that he's out of sight, out of mind. But to me, I think some sort of narrative has to be crafted at least in his own head about like something has changed he's proved some point and now he can yeah. come back like he can't yeah. just exactly. he can't just yeah he can't just come back with his tail between his legs and say yeah hey i got vaccinated you know, What's it's interesting uh, i mean sorry. that
1: article yesterday by uh, uh my colleague Sham's uh Trania is that he left himself just enough window you know to 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 decide to come back because yeah he didn't say he was stridently anti-vax so I I thought that was really interesting that that he left that door open.
0: Yeah, so he missed his 20 games. All right, I drew attention to this incredibly important social issue, and now I'm back.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I think that's definitely in play.
0: Yeah, but but my, my guess would be, though, that he is really just scared of getting the shot and he doesn't want to say that, and he doesn't want to, He uh, th- feels like that would be bad for his brand. Uh, you know, I honestly have much more sympathy for Andrew Wiggins, who at least, like, his hesitancy was based on having had allergic reactions previously, and that not necessarily yeah. mean that he's going to have an allergic reaction to this shot, and by all accounts, he turned out just fine, and many of his health concerns uh, were incorrect and but at least he was basing it on legitimate health concerns like if this is what Kyrie is 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 truly basing it on i, I find that far more loathsome than someone who is legitimately worried for their health even if they are correctly inc- i'm sorry incorrectly worried about their health yeah 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 um so danny asked me or i asked danny yesterday we do a, a segment on our pod called wat what are the fucking odds mm-hmm. and we try to just make make predictions. And so I said, the, the question that we put up there is, what are the odds that Kyrie Irving plays in a home game this season or playoffs while the vaccine requirement is in effect? Danny said 66%. I said 45%. Uh, you want to weigh in?
1: I actually, I would take Danny's side and I might even yeah. go a little higher. I, I think I'd say 70 to 75. Yeah. I, I It really stood out to me that he left himself that out in, in the article yesterday. Uh, so I, I can easily see him relenting at some point.
0: So what does this mean for our projection for the Brooklyn Nets uh, this season? Later on, we're going to talk about some of our preseason projection disagreements, but uh, what are these guys without Kyrie
1: Irving? I think they're still really good. Um, it, defi- it definitely hurts not having him uh, because their roster is a little top-heavy, but they have so much perimeter talent even without him. Like You're sliding in you know, you're sliding in Patty Mills, who's still pretty good in an off-ball role. You have James Harden basically running the point for you. So I like playing without Durant, I think, would impact them much more than, than playing without Irving. Uh, they do maybe get into a little bit of depth issues in the backcourt. Uh, where it can really hurt them is Harden and Durant the last two years have not been the most durable players. If one of those guys also goes down and now you're out there playing with just one star, then I think they're a lot more vulnerable for those games
0: yeah I agree so let's say Kyrie Irving doesn't play a game this season are they still the most likely team to win the NBA championship to you
1: I would probably say no at that point
0: who, who would I think be, Bucks? I
1: think I think they need all three of those guys to beat this year's version of the Bucks. and I say that I know they only had about 1.4 of those three during the series last year but I I, I still think that like I think Milwaukee's maybe a better version of, of the team that they played a year ago that they they evolved as those playoffs went on a eh? and I, I think some of the things with their roster now make them maybe a little more dangerous uh and Brooklyn once like once you get past that first that first line of players I mean they have good depth as far as like getting through a regular season but as far as guys you want on the court in a playoff series yeah like <laughs> it's Joe Harris and that's about it right
0: uh, yeah, I, I think they'll be able to cobble guys together in the front court as well. Patty Mills, I think, is is yeah. a guy who can be effective. Like defensively, I wonder about him a little bit, but you know, is he any worse than Irving? Is I guess totally locked in. Irving has a little bit more size, but um, you know, Mills makes it a little bit more difficult to switch. They do. I, I think they have outs in the front court, even if there's nobody who's like amazing. I think their defense overall could be better in the regular season without Irving. That that's something that might help. And uh, but yeah. I mean, obviously making them overwhelming favorites was based on those ridiculous offensive results that we saw when all three of these guys were together, which uh, yeah, apparently the universe is not too interested in seeing Kyrie Irving, Kevin yeah. Durant, and James Harden. Play exactly. They gave us just enough to tantalize in the Celtics series, uh, and that's it. Yeah, I, I would have to think about it. The Nets are going to be one of our big disagreements to tease that. or I'm sorry, the Bucs are going to be one of our big disagreements to tease that for later. So uh, maybe we can save that. But yeah, they still seem like a top two team in the East to, to me. But, of course, it's just being able to withstand injuries that's the big problem. All right, let's uh, talk about Ben Simmons here. And I think where we can start, this is somewhat of an aside, but it's also just, of course, he is that it would appear based on the fact that Simmons has to go through basically five days of testing and progressive protocols to rejoin the team, whereas most players, about 96%, if the Players Association now is to be believed, could just get one test and rejoin the team immediately because they are vaccinated. That would indicate to me that Ben Simmons is not vaccinated. So that throws yet another wrench into this uh, for the process as well. Uh, as so, It also throws
1: another yeah. wrench into the uh, hoped-for Ben Simmons for Kyrie, trade (laughs) yes yes yeah that's a if there was any hope of that happening (laughs) this information kind of is is the death knell for that so uh, do you want to just
0: give me your latest thoughts uh, on this whole thing with with him being back uh and and i'll just i've got a few points here but you haven't really talked about this too much i don't think because you've been doing most of the preview stuff so has i so what do you got on this
1: so i mean i i thought that they handled it wrong from the get-go because a holdout the, was they never going to the Simmons side because a holdout was just never going to put any pressure on the Sixers. Like it, it just wasn't a threatening thing. All it did was cost him money. Um, you know, the unfortunately apologize to you know my fellow league executives for suggesting this, but. Like I tweeted the other day, showing up and being an asshole is a much more effective way to get yourself out of out of a place and they still have to pay you, or they'll pay you to stay away until they trade you. So, uh, I I thought they misplayed their hand there. Uh. I I do think Philadelphia needs to trade him. The problem is that I I think the demand side of the equation, like there are teams interested in him and willing to put stuff on the table for him, but Philadelphia is a win-now team, and so they need to trade him for another win-now piece, and that guy isn't available. And, And so I think that's what makes it hard for Philadelphia, and really... The question is now, are you willing to go past the trade deadline or not? Um, because if the situation with Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal doesn't pop and another guy of that caliber on the perimeter doesn't become available, then then, w- then what do you do? Uh, do you take another offer that's just a bunch of draft picks and stuff and try to make it basically a delayed sign and trade? Um, do you... Stick it out with Simmons, try to go through another playoffs with him, which I I can't even imagine that. Like, can can you imagine the crowd in Philadelphia for those home games in fourth quarters? Um, But do you try to ride through another year of that and then deal with it next summer? Like, it's it's kind of a fascinating thing. uh, But I, I... I feel like they have to do something by the trade deadline or they're punting this season and you don't know how many seasons of prime and bead you're getting. So uh, I don't
0: know how much we disagree on this, but uh, I think uh, all of this, uh, and Danny was making the point yesterday, he said, Simmons' best way to get traded is to come back and play well so there's more demand for him. I take the opposite tack because him coming back and playing well, that just validates Maury's ridiculously high asking price. I don't know that that, and moreover, it also allows maintaining the status quo to be reasonable. I think after all this bullshit that they went through, you and I were like, oh yeah, they got to trade him. They can't start the season with him. Well, at least for right now, I think both sides of this are kind of they're like the couple that broke up, did some other dating, and realized that as flawed as their previous relationship was, there wasn't much out there for them at the time, and so like Simmons' trade value wasn't that high. He thought his trade value would be high enough to be easy to get traded. Uh, that hasn't been the case. Uh, he thought there'd be a lot more demand for him probably than there was <laughs> the uh the, the Sixers probably thought that by trading him they would be able to get a lot more they thought that guys would be available in the offseason Beal and Lillard who didn't end up becoming available uh, as well so I think Philly and all of the the total bullshit I should add but the talking points were like oh yeah you know they want to convince him that this is the place for him long term they're still going to canvas for trades for him but they want to convince him that this would be the,
1: the yeah, place yeah for that's him that's that's just window dressing for public consumption
0: yeah however philly in some ways can get their cake and eat it too i think for right now just making it through the regular season winning some games being on the same pace that they were last year with the basically the entire same team back uh, and making it to the trade deadline where, all right, if you get a good offer, you can trade him. If not, hey, all right, we'll be a top three seed in the East. And yeah, you know, we might move losing the playoffs, but fine, that's, that's better than uh, the alternative. If I'm Ben Simmons and his team, I don't want to give him, give Philly that option. I want to say, I want to torpedo their season to the point where you're just going to suck this year if yeah. you keep me around. And so either you're going to pay me to leave or you're going to trade me be, and I've now even, tank my trade value even more so that you're like oh shit it's only gonna get worse i better trade him now yeah
1: does Um, he does he does he do the uh do the andrew bynum for for an old philadelphia memory
0: (laughs) go injure yourself bowling
1: no 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 there was a practice where he was just shooting every time he got the ball no matter where he was on the court
0: now, yeah, that that's been uh, posited as well that yeah he can he can torpedo the team by just shooting a three pointer every time that would give uh, what oh, what, what if, he, if he
1: tried to torpedo the practices by shooting threes?
0: So that would be my approach. Now, my thought on why that hasn't happened and why they didn't just go with the time tested hold in is just that like Ben Simmons isn't built that way. He just like can't deal with any kind of conflict in person. Like it, se- it seems he's just such a, a reticent guy. That he can't do the even be as passive aggressive as James Harden was. Not to mention what Jimmy Butler did. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is. I mean, this is going to be a fascinating story now during the opening weeks of the season. Just how how you know what kind of Ben Simmons are they going to get, and then what does that do to his trade value? I mean, the one argument for him holding out is that if he held out and the Sixers sucked at the beginning of the season, or. You know, lost a few games or whatever, it would A, create more panic for Philadelphia to make a deal, and B, uh, theoretically raise his trade value by saying, look at them without Ben Simmons, they can't do anything. Um, So that that was probably the one advantage to a holdout. It was just going to be expensive for him.
0: Yeah, there's no reason to do it that way. I think they miscalculated. They honestly just fucked up the CBA in terms of thinking like, oh yeah, we got this $8 million payment coming, so we're not even going to have to face any withdrawal until November 15th because, uh, you know, for, for those who don't know, the structure of Simmons' contract, which Clutch likes to do a lot, the most you can get, you can get $8 million, or you can get 25% of your salary right on July 1st or the beginning of the league year, and then you can get another 25% of your salary as an advance on October 1st. Only the best players have the leverage to get that type of a payment structure, but yes. Simmons uh, was one of them. Uh, and obviously, you know, to get the time value of the money earlier is just good. Uh, and then, so they'll basically, Only half of his contract is left to get paid over the course of the season on your usual two-week pay structure. And so they were hoping that they wouldn't be able to get fined until the beginning of that, which is, it's not November 15th, but it's whatever the the first pay period would have been, November 1st. Uh, But... The problem was that they basically said they were going to breach the contract. And so Philly was totally within their rights to acknowledge that anticipatory breach and then withhold the payment and put it in escrow. And so I think they just didn't realize that Philly could do that. They would have been smart to just come in until October 1st, get the payment and then leave. That would be a better way to do it. Yeah. So all that said now, what's your thought on how this resolves?
1: i think he will still get traded this season in uh it'll be after december 15th when when the there are more players eligible to be traded um perhaps after january 15th when a few more people come online but i i do still think he'll be traded
0: does that happen with daryl getting what he wants or is daryl gonna finally acknowledge reality
1: i think there's gonna end up being an acknowledgement of reality somehow I don't. I don't think he's going to end up with Lillard or Beal. So, is there something else they can end up with and be happy with? That's. That's the question here.
0: So to me, it depends on what Simmons does. If he comes back and he actually just plays hard, maybe he's just so conflict-averse that once he's in the situation again, that he just will have to play hard. Or you know, maybe that some of that will just be like, a screw you to all those who doubted him or whatever. The reaction of the Philly fans also will be very interesting, the reaction of the organization. I don't know if Ben Simmons is built to be able to deal with being booed at home. I and mean, when's the last time we saw someone just get mercilessly booed at home for a long period like I guess it was the Butler uh Thibodeau thing back in in 2018 but that was only. does, for does Markel a, a Foltz time. count
1: I mean they they weren't quite as hard on him no but... they tried to be supportive of him supposedly I... <laughs> okay so uh th- g- going in the way back machine okay Markel Foltz's first preseason game was against us okay yeah. and like the fans at courtside were already on him like by the second half okay mm-hmm. Because, like, he'd shot a couple air balls and Andrew Harrison was kicking his ass and, and, like, they were already letting him have it. It was unbelievable.
0: That's that's pretty solid. I, I my memory was I think once he came back, I think they were tried to be like more encouraging him. Like once they realized that there was really like an a, issue, yeah, 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 yeah. But but in any event, I, I don't think unless Joel and B comes out and it's like, hey, Ben is our brother. Like please don't boo him, and you know puts his arm around him as soon as the booing starts or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I don't. I think that they're going to be pretty merciless. Mm-hmm. There's one other question I want to ask you too, but uh, so I think if he comes out and plays well. I, my prediction going along what my advice would be to him is that he actually ends up playing the whole season there and then maybe it gets revisited in the off season if he plays well, I think if he plays wow. poorly, he gets moved by the deadline or or if he ends up sitting out with uh, left hamstring tightness for twenty five games <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's tightness it's not it's not a,
0: an actual strain or or, or uh right or or it's just tightness just tendinitis don't worry about it um so here's my last question for you who's at fault in all this is it the organization is it ben simmons like if you're if you're a philly fan who should you be mad at
1: um i would probably be a little more upset with simmons but i think like the the organization kind of went too far i thought to cater to simmons when it was clear that Embiid was the best player for like pretty early um But Simmons really brought this situation to a head with what happened in the playoffs last year against Atlanta. And if he doesn't shrink in Game 7 especially, I could see how this could have had a different outcome. But it just put such an exclamation point on the idea that he and Embiid can't play together in in big games. And then for him to exacerbate it with the holdout was, was a little weird, right? Because it was like, well... Okay actually actu- actually like <laughs> the team isn't screwing you right like you're kind of holding back the team a little bit as talented as you are so i i would put more of the blame on simmons yeah
0: i think from his perspective if you just want to say ben simmons just is who he is as a player I, I think fans should be upset with him for not growing his game and not getting potentially the psychological help that he needs not acknowledging that there's a problem not acknowledging that he needs to improve
1: mm-hmm. not
0: having gotten better all, all of those things are for not living up to what i think his promise as a player has been certainly i think that that's an issue but the organization is the one that tried to move on from him first in the Harden thing it was that's that's
1: that's a good point
0: yeah it was fait accompli that they're going to try and trade him after the game seven thing and obviously there's a level of frustration with him he certainly has rabbit ears in terms of how sensitive he is with some of the comments that were made in the media by joel and rivers comments that happen to be more than a little true so he is super sensitive but to me this trade request was just an attempt to try to take command of the process here. And I don't mind that at all. I don't mind him holding out. Like Doc Rivers yelling, it's in your contract. No, you, you like. This morality of like you have to honor your contract. You know, the, the team can trade you. You do what you can to try to control your destination and c- control your fate no matter how much you have left on your contract. I have much more of a real politic approach to that aspect. And so I, I think, the yeah, he you should be mad at him for not being that good and having some very weird ideas about what he is as a player and all that stuff. But I, I think the organization kind of started this and they were going to trade in the offseason, regardless of whether you requested a trade. He's just trying to take control of his fate a little bit more. So I wouldn't be mad at him for the holdout and that the...
1: Let, uh, let me, ask, let me ask you this, though. If they were going to yeah. trade him anyway, how is he taking control of his fate with a holdout? Like, he he because he's in a position with no leverage, like, he can't dictate where he's going to go when he has four years left on his deal.
0: I think what he's... Tra- Trying, was trying to do is fix it so he's not just waiting around to be traded at the organization's behest what he was trying to do is get traded faster maybe they knew that there wasn't this godfather offer out there like they right he doesn't want to just be waiting around until Damian Lillard decides that he wants to be somewhere else right he doesn't yeah. that's what I'm saying about his fit. he doesn't want to waste this whole season okay I can see the
1: argument for that a little more like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna start this ball rolling right in the beginning a summer so that i'm established on my next team when next year starts I, I i can respect the case for that a little more
0: yeah and i think you know pr- my guess would be originally that this started off as like hey look we, we all know you're trying to trade him just do it do it this summer get it done um yeah all right you want to do some disagreements here we i sent you my list uh, you sent me yours We got some pretty big disagreements here. Who do you want to start with?
1: Uh, I uh, am having trouble finding the list, so you tell me who you want to start with.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, let us begin with the aforementioned Milwaukee Bucks. I teased this earlier. You had the Bucks over under is like something like 53 and a half or something, or at least it was when I did a little bit ago. I I think they're going to go over. I had them at 54 wins. You Mm -hmm. got them at 62 wins, and uh, you also, in our earlier discussion, you kind of teased this idea that you know they're going to be a really good playoff team i think a lot of people are saying they're the second most likely team to win the championship a lot of people are saying that the bucks are and the nets are in kind of their own tier above everyone else or that the bucks are by themselves in the second tier why do you believe that Uh, other than simply the milwaukee bucks won the championship last year
1: well i mean there is that but they um they also won it without a pretty valuable player playing for them with uh, with DiVincenzo. Um, I actually think P.J. Tucker didn't really help him that much, and I think uh, losing him is not that big a deal. I think adding George Hill to replace Jeff Teague, I think adding Grayson Allen to have another shooter off the bench, I think that will end up being a much more important thing for them. And I, I just think top to bottom, I mean, they're They're built to be really good in the regular season, like one through nine, like that is a good team. with obviously a, a superstar at the four, probably the best regular season player in the league, in in Giannis, and the Buck, you know the Bucks are going to manage minutes and experiment, experiment with things, whatever, just like they did last year. But I think their their defensive concept, especially in the regular season, is really good and just just assures a certain level, high level, uh, of success. And I I just don't see who else is pushing them for the best regular season record in in the league.
0: Okay, so I I disagree with nearly everything that you just said. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't think Divincenzo is that valuable. I think PJ Tucker is much more valuable to their defense in the playoffs because. It, but uh, it, unless, okay, I I yeah.
1: might agree with you in the context of a Brooklyn series, but we're talking about regular season win totals here, right?
0: But well, okay, I, I'm I'm extending this discussion to the the playoffs as well. Remember, I, I mentioned that in terms of championship contention, that they, a lot of people are putting them in like an obvious second best team in the league, which I in terms of championships, which I don't. Necessarily agree with okay but um in the play yeah i I think in the regular season, yeah pj tucker not as important but in the playoffs i thought he was extremely important a lot of people disagree with me on this and i agree also that he hurt their offense compared to someone like divincenzo uh who he replaced in the starting lineup when he went down but tucker allowed them to switch defensively and i think he was important obviously in the brooklyn series he was the only guy who had a prayer of guarding kd one-on-one uh and then he also in, in that Hawks series and then also in the the Phoenix series when they played Giannis at center and against a lot of team other teams that they're going to face including I think the, the Brooklyn Nets to some degree as well like being able to play Giannis at center and switch through all five positions they only had one lineup basically that could do that but they closed most of those games with that group and doing some switching I think that's really big now can is Semi Ojele gonna step in and do that I don't think that Semi Ojale might be a slightly better shooter than P.J. Tucker but not much and it needs not nearly the uh, doesn't have nearly the intensity that that Tucker does so I think that's going to hurt their playoff defense and their versatility quite a bit as far as the regular season George Hill basically couldn't play at all for Philly in the playoffs last year he's pretty old yes I realize that Mike Budenholzer is the George Hill whisperer so I expect (laughs) him to be a little bit better than that but also he could get injured he's not that doesn't have the greatest health record DiVincenzo who knows when he's coming back uh, and what kind of shape he's going to be in Grayson Allen sucks on defense uh, although he's a solid shooter Giannis I seems like he's going to play sixty games this year with some of this knee soreness saying he's not even fully recovered from uh, the knee injury that he suffered in the East Finals Rodney Hood, Sammy O'Gile.
1: Hey, Jordan Norris. Really- Jordan Norris had a good preseason Okay, I, I, he he might
0: evolve a little bit. I can't say I've been too locked in on the Bucks preseason since they basically haven't been playing any of their main guys. Um, you know, so maybe he can contribute. Though he's not going to help the defense. I think their regular season defense is not going to be that great. They when wow. they're going to play plenty of minutes with Portis and no Lopez or Giannis and they're going to get killed defensively in those minutes uh, as they did last year in those alignments. I think Portis now is one of the most overrated players in the NBA after these playoffs. And and ultimately I'm just I'm not buying what the Bucks did last year. Like who who is wow. the great team that the Milwaukee Bucks beat in the playoffs? last year Phoenix is a very good team uh and they were better than them they played really well but they didn't have any kind of a matchup for Giannis there was was a good matchup
1: now that's where I do agree with you whoever ended up winning last year I thought it was clear by the conference finals like this was a year where somebody was slipping through a window of dominance right where there wasn't that team um you know between the injuries that hit the Lakers and Brooklyn and Kawhi's ACL um even you know Utah looked like they might have the best team in the regular season, and then they couldn't hold up, and their guards got injured. So it, it was definitely that kind of year. Um, but I look back, even the two years before that, the Bucks had absolutely dominant regular seasons, and I just yeah, I just, th- I, I I just think, think they, think they have built- the same
0: formula though as they as they did back then because they don't have. Uh, the ability, I think, with when Giannis doesn't play, I think they're going to struggle to defend. And I think that they just don't have the same quality of defensive backups as they had to just be that. I mean, and it, remember two years ago, they were two points per 100 possessions better than any other team in the league defensively. And I just don't think right. they have that level of depth. And they also won the championship, so they're not going to be going as hard, I, I think, either. Uh, yeah, I,
1: I do think we saw that last year with them. Um, I. I'm. I'm interested to see how this plays out. I, I think they'll have the best record in the league, even without really trying that hard for it.
0: Yeah, I think I. I got the jazz with that actually, but I, I think. Or, or no, I actually, I, well, I had Brooklyn with that before the Kyrie situation emerged. But and I will completely eat crow again if the Milwaukee Bucks dominate this season and they win another championship or they get to the finals and you know have have another really good playoffs, I, I will completely eat crow. But as I've gone through all these team previews, just thinking about all these teams and just like what a complete bullshit playoffs it was last year in terms of injuries, like the, that Hawks team that they beat. Yeah, Giannis is out by the end, but the Hawks were missing their starting one, two, and three basically. At the same time, and like you know, Kawhi got injured, and you mentioned the Jazz injuries, and obviously Brooklyn. And so I'm just I'm not buying that Giannis has solved every single problem that he ever had, and that they solved their half court offensive issues. No, they actually just didn't play anyone (laughs) last year, and and Giannis has not beaten a team that has a really good matchup for him. So uh, you know I'm very interested to see where it goes. I do think they're the second best team in the East, but you know I kind of have them in the mix with some of the best teams. Teams in the West more than I have them above those. Okay. Anything else to add there, or should we move on?
1: I think we both have Brooklyn beating Milwaukee in the conference finals, though.
0: So. Yeah, I think so. I just, I definitely... A lot of these teams have question marks, though, which kind of makes this fun uh, uh, to try and predict, but I lo- the, what I love the most about NBA basketball is classic series between two great teams, and so that's th- this new era that we're in where, other than the Nets, there really aren't great teams coming into the season. It, it, that kind of <laughs> does make me a little bit sad that you know we're not going to see golden state versus cleveland type of level of matchups uh, like we've seen at times um or you know miami heat for san antonio spurs but maybe i mean some teams are going to emerge to be really good this year maybe we just don't know who they are
1: yeah yeah okay
0: here's another one this one amused me okay you and i differ by nine wins on the oklahoma city thunder i took the under on the thunder and you are nine wins lower than me nonetheless
1: yeah that team is horrible <laughs> I mean, have you like even in the beginning of last year when they stumbled into some wins by accident like they had real players mixed in with with the bad players and the rookies and stuff you look at them now I mean it's Shea and it's like all bad players <laughs> like who's like they're are, they're going to get killed.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I actually, I, Shay is pretty good. I, I there's, I just had a, a, a lot of respect for what he can do. You know, who knows whether he says if they, they
1: win 20 games, games. he's going to, he needs to be on one of the three All NBA teams.
0: Um, Lou Dort is a, a quality starter. I would say, but I, yeah,
1: I, I will push back on that. Yeah. I uh, I, I think he's a very good individual defender. I think offensively he had to bite off way more than he could chew last year.
0: Well, oh, I, he's definitely you know been Peter principled up a little bit in terms of his offensive role, but in terms of just, you know being a player, any contender would love to have Lou Jordan on their team and would probably start him. I think that's kind of more what I was thinking. Like he, he's he's a good player. Okay, um, is my thought. But yeah, it's you know Darius Baisley, you know Kendrick Williams is a is a decent bench piece for his role. Who knows how much he's going to play? Favors is you know an okay backup center. Who knows how much he's going to play? I will disagree with you. You said in your preview that he's going to get traded. I actually don't think he gets traded because... I guess the only way he gets traded is if they find a way to take on even worse money because he still has that player option for next year. He's, nobody's going to trade for him as the starter, but maybe there's just some bad contract that OKC could take back who's even worse than him if he shows he can be effective. I'm not sure he will be effective.
1: Yeah, there, there's always bad money hanging out there. I, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe it could go to the summer, but man, <laughs> um, <laughs> that's... That's a tough place to write out a a full year.
0: Al Hofer did it, I guess, but his contract was a lot bigger. Yeah, and then you get into, like, Josh Giddy, I guess, is going to be their starting point guard, and I think he's going to be terrible this year. He showed a little more than I expected in preseason, but he can't shoot, can't defend. Uh, good passer, but, you know, I mean, he's he yeah. seems like he's going to be someone who's going to have, you know, 50% true shooting percentage or below, even if he is a good passer. Yeah, I, I guess it was just that Shea is is pretty good. That That's what I was saying. The 13 win seems low. I, I If I had to say whether they'll be over or under 22, I guess I might, especially having seen them in the pre- season as well i probably would lower my prediction down to maybe something like 20 but I, you really think like you got to be so bad to win less than 20 games and maybe they are but you know, even some of those process sixers teams i would say they have more talent than those teams would you agree with that
1: i was trying to go back and look at those teams and figure it out um because they at least have someone you can give the ball to, who,
0: who's gonna. Those Sixers teams had nobody.
1: Yeah, that was. I mean, you, I guess you had Rookie of the Year Michael Carter Williams, right? And that yep. was that. That was kind of it.
0: Yeah. I, so thirteen. I mean, twelve and seventy is what that worst Sixers team was. The fifteen sixteen team where they gave up two second round picks to acquire Ish Smith to not set <laughs> the NBA. all Oh, that's the record.
1: other question with Oklahoma City. When does Adam Silver bring in the Colangelo's? Oh
0: my god. Uh, yeah and, and then uh jerry colangelo can trade for kevin love immediately that'll be interesting um well th- it's only been one year of this and they were they were competitive for half of last year it, the difference between them and the process is the process they didn't even have many recent first round picks on those teams because the guys that they drafted were injured whereas yeah. at least okc is bringing in players who could potentially be part of the future like some of those process teams it was like all right robert covington is our best player who you brought in at a minimum that's who you should should be most excited about tj mcconnell um so yeah i I think they'll be a little bit 13 is just such a low number that i just but i I agree with you that they are going to be worse than last year i I think that's probably fair um let's see here we got time for maybe a couple more the golden state warriors yeah you are pretty low on the golden state warriors i know the the preview hasn't come out yet but uh, you want to explain why that is
1: Oh no! The, the pre the preview came out. Yeah, I. Oh, it um, did. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't see it yet. Sorry. Yeah. Um. I. I how think, many
0: wins do you have them? For I have it, them too?
1: with thirty nine. Oh
0: baby, I got I, I got forty seven on them.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe I'm wrong about this. I mean, may, you know, Golden State. I I think they started to figure things out toward the second half of last season. Uh, I, it still just feels like it's just all Steph and nothing else. I mean, the, the fact they were 20th in offense last year with Steph going bananas the whole year, it's like you just slap your forehead. Like, when, when, as soon as the ball left his hands, it was like, oh, my goodness. Like, can anyone else on this team do anything? Um, now, they could get some scoring from some other places. Clay will probably be back. We don't know what kind of clay we're getting, but... Probably half the season at least. Um, seems like a little more shooting if Otto Porter is healthy. Uh, Balitza, who. For some reason, Miami didn't want to play last year. I, I still think he's got something left in the tank to give. Uh, I thought that was a good signing. J- Jordan Poole certainly seems to be coming along nicely. as like a sixth man
0: type. Yeah, one of the more surprising developments, because you and I both thought he was He was terrible.
1: so bad. Like the beginning of that season, uh, which was completely off the rails from the word go two years ago in Golden State. Like <laughs> Poole, Poole was so bad. I, I would have been very shocked if you told me he was going to become like a high level six man scorer type in 2 years. Uh you know and then I mean I think the other thing you got to look at I mean the age of the two key players who carried them to what little success they had last year right like are they i don't know if they'll be worse this year but you certainly aren't going to bet on them being better when you, when you look at steph and draymond in their age
0: so yeah i'm just in disagreement here I, I did go under they're over under i have them for 47 what's their but, over under uh 47 and a half that's i think it's money, even 48 man. and a half in some places Good god not, i saw something
1: kinda... that had them as like the fourth best championship odds which is yeah. which is like what are, what are we even doing here did it did anyone watch last season
0: yeah, I, so a number of reasons why I, I'm in disagreement with you here. I, I, I think the, the, the biggest reason that I went under is just the potential for injuries. And, you know, if Draymond or Steph goes down, you know th- that really limits them. They have no depth whatsoever in the front court at, at this point in terms of size. But, uh, you know, Steph, I think he keeps himself in pretty good condition. I don't think he can quite duplicate last year, uh, but he still is a, an amazing threat. When Draymond Green played center, which he's going to do 25 minutes a game this this year, it seems like the plan Uh, they ha- and he played with Steph. They had a 121 offensive rating. So much of their struggles were when he was off the court or when he was playing with Wiseman or Kelly Oubre, guys who just had no idea how to run their system. They've got a ton more passing this year, which is really important to uh, what Steve Kerr is trying to. And so that's huge. And then uh, and they have a ton more shooting as well. I mean, watching them get up 69 three pointers, admittedly, against a Blazers team that doesn't know their system yet but the number of threes that they've been shooting has been really encouraging they just have a lot of guys who are going to make shots on this team and can pass and run Steve Kerr's system and you know I'm a big pool believer now and you know, I mean the way he's been bombing threes from 28 feet is really really impressive and you throw in especially if Clay comes back you're gonna have Steph Pool, and Clay three guys out there who can come off of screens and shoot three-pointers from 28 feet I mean that's gonna be really hard to guard I think their defenses might take a little bit of a step back from last year but they're also like they're as long as they're healthy I'm I wonder with Draymond playing so much center and all this and pushing really hard for wins right at the start the way they have been whether they're going to be able to maintain the level but i think they're going to push really hard at the start of the season and i think when everyone is healthy i think they're going to be really good i think they have a decent chance to be uh the third best team in the west when healthy Wow, uh, but it's just a question of the health for me.
1: Okay, okay, I, I think they're going to end up in the play-in again. Um, yeah. As 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 our, as our local operative in the Bay Area, how much of Moody and Kaminga do you think we see this year?
0: Uh, will you be driving to Santa Cruz or? or <laughs> <why>? <laughs> Uh, Moody actually got a little bit of play with the starters uh, up until yesterday and, and Stefan and Draymond didn't play but up until yesterday Moody hadn't played with any of the stars at all he'd just been mm-hmm. in mop up time and then Kaminga is out with this strained patellar tendon Kaminga can't help them at all this year Moody maybe he could because he's kind of got that more yeah it's, it's interesting
1: because Kaminga is the higher pick with the higher upside but if you're trying to win a game this year Moody probably fits better because he's more like that 3 and D guy who can play off the ball a little more
0: yeah and obviously James Wiseman missing camp was a big problem as well. I mean he's he's going to play some. We'll see how that goes, but probably just Yeah, that that, that
1: yeah, that that's <laughs> if he doesn't play do do I move him up in my projection or down? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, and and Looney again, like I think it was kind of a miracle that he stayed as healthy as he did last year. So, you know, injuries to Draymond or Looney that that is going to be a problem for them and I think their defense could take a big step back, but I think I think these guys would be nasty on offense actually. Uh, um particularly when Steph is on the floor. They just have too much shooting and passing and good decision making at, at this point in time. All right, we have time for one more here. All right. About 5 minutes left and let's see here. We're in pretty close agreement on most of these Ah, here's one. Okay. You have the Charlotte Hornets for 29 wins and I have 37.
1: Yeah, I thought they were kind of lucky to win as many games as they did last year. Uh I think they, you know, going from Graham to Ish Smith is a, is a step back. Uh yep. they don't they don't really have a center and they're trying to kind of rubber band and duct I tape things.
0: Plumley did, did you you're going to make me you're going to make that statement just so I'm forced to defend Mason Plumley? Is that what you're doing <laughs> This there? is
1: this is the best setup I will have all year. <laughs>
0: he's uh he's acceptable certainly not a top tier starting center but i think he could give them more than they got from that position with Biznak biombo last year Biznak biombo played 1300 minutes for these guys last year
1: yeah it was it was biombo and zeller and zeller can't stay on the court the interesting thing the thing that makes the shara team interesting is that they can they experiment with these centerless lineups with pj washington as a pseudo five basically and they have the speed with ball and ish smith to just jack up the tempo and play small and fast and try to beat teams that way i don't know if it'll work or not but i think it's going to be a fun experiment to watch depending on how often james morago goes to it i think that makes him a really interesting team to watch this year i don't expect them to be in the playoff race the way they were a year ago i think this is a step back year before they step up uh they have a lot, like the the back end of the roster is kind of all these kind of young guys are trying to bring in and 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 move up. Uh, I I don't know how well that's going to go. You know, you like you're trying to get minutes for like Booknight and Kai Jones. You know, your backup centers if you choose to play one or Vernon Carey or Nick Richards or or uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of question marks when you get into the second tier. I don't know if Terry Rozier is going to be as good as he was last year. I certainly question that extension. Um, so I, I think even with the wind at their back in terms of ball going into his second year, I, I still think there's a lot of questions with that team and that this year might be a little bit of a step back before they can can take another step forward.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, they're, now, they do have a bunch of young guys who you hope will get better. LaMelo, obviously, is one of those. Rozier is at least at an age where, you know, he did shoot the lights out. He's actually have the same clutch performance. They had the point differential, I think, of like a 34-win team last year, so a little bit lower than what their record would have indicated. So you do have to come up with them being three wins better and qualitatively than they were a year ago. But guys like Washington, Miles Bridges, I mean, those guys are, are young enough to get better, and so I think that's part of it. There, I agree with you on the depth. I think their top eight, top nine is actually pretty solid in terms of like that sort of depth. But you don't have your top eight and top nine available every single game, and then it gets pretty ugly from there. I agree with you on that. And there's going to be some of these entitlement minutes for the likes of Book Knight and Kai Jones, obviously. um But you know, I think Kelly Oubre is a good signing for them just because they want to play fast. Yeah. Got, he'll give them some defensive Play him at the play
1: him at the four in Washington at the five and just try to go fast as hell yeah I see the fit there
0: and, and if you told me that Gordon Hayward were going to be healthy all year then I would have them probably around a 500 team maybe slightly better than that I think part of my reason I again I went under on them at 37 wins yeah so you are like way way under
1: yeah the, the um, counterpoint for, for to, to my prediction would be that they were 24 and 20 I think when Hayward played last year yeah. Uh, but the counterpoint to that counterpoint is, I, I don't know if you can just count on Gordon Hayward to play a bunch of games at this point. No,
0: and he's still a very important piece for them. And there's also the possibility of Lamello just being a lot better this year. That's a possibility. That's the too. biggest and, one, yeah. And, you- and he, don't forget, I mean, he basically missed the last two months of the season when you throw in that he wasn't himself when he got back from the, that wrist issue as well. So I, I, I don't know what to think of these guys, but I do think they'll be kind of in the play-in.
1: Yes, yeah. I... I I don't. I'm down on them. I do think they are about the most interesting team that nobody... Really talks
0: about. Yeah. And, and for the long term future of the franchise, these next two years, is LaMelo going to evolve into like a real superstar? He had made a great start last year, but still, you got the big leap that he took last year. He's got to do that again still to still yeah. be on that superstar path. Yeah. I'm a believer, though, because of just the way that he seems to pick things up so quickly. It seems like last year he was adding some new facet to his game every week, basically, whether it was drawing more fouls or his isolation play, where it gets getting to the basket and finishing a little bit better new passes so i that's uh my bigger concern is just that their their defense i I think they're kind of like slightly below average on offense and you know like 21st or 22nd on defense borrego does a pretty good job uh scotch taping it together on d
1: yeah and that's definitely what they're doing on defense so that's going to be interesting if they can still hold it together (laughs) they got super lucky on opponent free throws last year too which you don't expect to continue
0: I do love that you're you're like the only person who talks about that in projections, which is the free, th- free throw, free throw defense, defense man. How, how do you know they're not just uh, following the right people? Hey,
1: I just got to say, I mean, my Washington football team, our kicker defense has been the key to both victories.
0: The the Washington that's how football we do team, it. the yeah. Washington football team, that's such a shit show that they're getting people in
1: other organizations. <laughs> That's when you really know you've arrived as a shit show organization.
0: Yeah, someday we'll have to talk about how you became a a fan of them growing up in, in New Jersey but uh,
1: we'll, we'll save
0: that for another time. Uh, just uh, for programming, uh, we are back now, obviously we're going to be recording on Wednesdays. We're still working to see if we're going to do some sort of a live element again, like we did last year with questions. Uh, so uh, stay posted on that uh, by following us uh, on Twitter. Obviously we'll tell you about it here on the pod as well, but it should be every Wednesday here for the foreseeable future. And we hope that you will tune in every week. We'll talk to you all next week.